Dr. Carol Ison Barnes, Leadership and Change Consultant and Owner of Experience Leadership. Thank you for joining us today on the Career Couch with Dr. Carol and Friends, where our goal is to support you and your career in reaching your full potential. I'm your podcast host, and we're returning this week with part two of Understanding Workplace Violence with my guest and friend today, security expert Chris Bush. Chris, thank you for returning and continuing this conversation that seems is based on our conversation last week. Can go under the radar a little bit. So I want to thank you for returning today. Thank you for having me. Today, we are following up on our conversation from last week, where we talked more in general terms. And now we're talking about preventing workplace violence and identifying some potential solutions. And as I mentioned last week, Chris, your background is so impressive. You're living and breathing the whole criminal justice system and the business world and in our communities. And it seems like you've been doing this your whole life. You have a degree in criminal justice and social science. You're specialized in security management, forensics, homeland security, nuclear operations, and security programs management in commercial, civilian, and government environments. You're also certified as a law enforcement officer through SLED, and you're also a staff sergeant with the Aiken County Sheriff's Office Reserves. And you're balancing all of this with your business, Blue Line Security. And so it's no surprise that you are a sought-after consultant on workplace violence, often working with many organizations in the area. And so I just I just love your energy and I always find it inspiring really to listen to people and have discussions with people who are still very enthused by their work. So thank you. And I'm glad you're returning. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Let's just jump right into talking about prevention. According to an article that I read in Trends in Corporate Security Report, approximately 25% of businesses are unprepared for an active shooter incident, meaning that the incident is frequently over before police respond and arrive on the scene. In your opinion, do you think organizations do a good job of managing workplace violence and and or do you feel employers are failing to prioritize workplace safety? Good question. No, I don't. There are companies out there that do not have a workplace violence policy plan or a preventive program in place. Many of them I'm finding are relying on their local law enforcement for help when incidents of of workplace violence do occur. And, And I think this is mostly due to the fact Like I said earlier, I don't think they recognize how serious the problem and the issue is for workplace violence events to occur. Uh, They like the adequate and effective communications. I believe their training is lacking about, again, what constitutes workplace violence. So if, if they don't know that is happening, they can't report it and they can't respond to it appropriately. But um, I think if they had the right procedures in place, if they had policies in place, they could actually track and trend when these type behaviors are actually noticed or observed, and then they can put actions in place to disposition them, to resolve them, to mitigate them, 
before they actually happen. Does OSHA not require that a employer or that an employer have a, a workplace violence plan in place or policy? They were they were yes, they require they have a safety plan in place, and most of them do have a safety plan in place where they talk about behaviors, but that's handled through your human resources department and most of the facilities that I've researched and taught with. They basically have, I think they call them uh, behavior, behavior classes, it's ethics, and they talk about the things you can and can't do, but they're mostly, I think it said, good conduct. It's conduct and behavior. If the conduct doesn't meet what's in the HR manual, you can get a write-up for it, but I don't recall it ever getting to the point where I've actually seen a separate workplace violence policy that actually was that HR would hold them to and say, okay, this is, if you don't do this, this is the disciplinary action we're going to take. Most of them, again, are safety. It's, It's all about a safety plan. How can an organization hold me accountable as an employee if I have not been informed that my actions um, violate a the expectations in terms of a workplace violence if I don't know what workplace violence is as an employee? Company to have a legal responsibility to prevent harm to people that work on their premises. And failure to take those protective measures for the people that work for you could result in lawsuits. It could um, cause the company to be sued by the person that was actually the victim, or it could actually, in some cases, cause the company to be sued by the person that actually was the one doing the workplace violence and say, well, I didn't know that I couldn't say that, or I didn't know if that, you know, I couldn't do that because nobody ever told me. There's once one company that I spoke with, they had one video that they required their employees to watch once a year. And it was like a a safety video. And in that video, not once did I see anything about workplace violence. It was all safety related. Uh, It never talked about security problems. They were having people that had been fired and there was one door that the people could go in to get into the plant. And in this one door, there was a cipher code. And one of the things I asked them when I got there, I said, did y'all change the code to that door after this guy was fired for workplace violence? And he looked at me and he said, no, I never thought of that. I said, you never thought that he could come in there at midnight and exact revenge on whoever it was that he thought told on him and got him fired in the first place. Yeah, that surprises me because to me, as a former HR manager, there are certain um, responsibilities that you have related to risk. And that is 
When someone is terminated, you take their badges, you take their their computer, you 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 know, you walk them out of the building and someone else maybe brings their their personal belongings to them. You don't let them back into the workspace. You change the code. And to me, I think people are smarter about it today than they were when I was an HR manager back in the 80s. They don't think about you know, the same stuff that you and I think about. This company, this particular business has more issues with workplace violence that, and it's, again, it comes back to the fact that the people that are in charge aren't knowledgeable of what they need to do to pass that on to the worker. So if they're not aware of the policies and the procedures and the requirements that OSHA has laid out there, to me, they put in that whole company at risk. Absolutely. What should every organization have available in order to manage workplace violence? They need a plan. They, they need a plan. They need a policy. Um, they need training and they need good communications to make sure that it's going from the top and it's trickling down. Because if you have managers and supervisors that has oversight of anybody in an organization and they are not aware of the policy and, you know, what constitutes workplace violence and, you know, what's going to be done if and when it happens, how are they so how are, how do you expect them to tell the workers and to communicate that to the workers? How do you expect them to develop a a corrective action plan if they fail to live up to their expectations? How do you expect to discipline them if they don't know that what they've done violated any kind of rule? What does a zero tolerance policy look like for an organization? Zero tolerance is just what it says. If you fail to live up to what those requirements are, then whatever the process, whether it's disciplinary action up to and including termination, then they need to follow through with that. There are some companies, though, that are willing to try to rehabilitate the employee. They're willing to say, okay, based on, again, what we talked about earlier, they didn't feel like it met the intent of workplace violence. They could actually say, well, we're going to call this inappropriate behavior and we're going to document it in your HR file. But if it happens again, then you could receive disciplinary action up to and including termination at this point. If I'm an organization and I'm listening to this conversation and I'm wondering if I'm at risk of any type of liability because I don't have these policies in place, what can an organization do to assess their risk of workplace violence? There are there are places and there are are actually processes that they can do. They can talk to their HR. They can actually put that uh, plan together themselves and look at the protective measures that will prevent recurrence. And they could also talk to their people, get feedback. And I find this out a lot. If they talk to the people that are actually out there in the front lines, mm-hmm. if they talk to the people that are actually out there every day working side by side, those folks have great ideas. Make them a part of the process. 
because they know what's happening. That's a good so, point. I mean, putting that together and 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 make it a, a workplace violence prevention program and include your uh, employees in that. You know, don't just have the them versus us type attitude. I think if they work with it together, they'll see that this is a process that I'm a part of. I have some say in it and it's not all just because management said so. I think that's a really good a really good point that you you mentioned make people part of the solution because they do have really good ideas especially on mm-hmm. the front line. And I think people often forget that. Do you think it's helpful to have a designated person within the organization even if it's at a senior level who is accountable for overseeing or managing workplace violence instead of just rolling it all into HR or rolling it all under the safety manual? You know how you have it, you know, you have your HR executive, maybe your your legal executive. I guess what I'm asking is, do you think it would be helpful to have a safety executive or workplace violence executive that's kind of overseeing it? Or do you feel like it still should come under HR because some of them are specialized in that? I I think that person is in the HR organization from every company that I've seen, they've, they've always been retained within HR. There's not a subject matter expert for the program itself because they all come out of HR. And the only only reason I even asked that question is because it seems like for many organizations, it doesn't get, meaning workplace violence doesn't become the priority that it needs to become. And we talked about the underreporting and things of that nature. And the only reason I asked that question is because if you have, my thought is if you had one person who was completely accountable for it, maybe they would give it, make it the priority that it needs to be versus if it's someone in HR, they're juggling all these other areas within HR because it is, there's so many facets to HR. I read um, this book called The Facts About Workplace Violence by Susan Heathfield. And she had eight categories of workplace violence in it. And she talked about certain behaviors like actor behaviors where the employee acts out his anger by like yelling, shouting, slamming doors, throwing objects. Um, The me first behavior, the employee does what he or she wants, regardless of the negative effects on others. Mixed messenger behavior, the employee talks positively, but behaves negatively. The shocker behaviors, the employee suddenly acts in ways that are out of character and that are extreme. And even the strange behaviors where the employee is more remote. So what is the best way to handle these employees who are high risk and exhibit some of these type of behaviors? Wow. Based on those behaviors there, what what that could have a tremendous effect, a good, bad or indifferent on the other employees that are in that organization. Some of them, I would say, based on the patterns of behaviors that's described there, I would look at these employees as high risk. Some of them waiting to blow an incident, waiting to happen. But the first thing I would do is what I call an old fashioned come to Jesus meeting with them to discuss their behavior, his or her behavior. 
And the purpose is to talk to them about their behavior, document it for future reference. So, you know, to make sure that they understand why the meeting is being held, to, you know, get their perspective on why they are acting the way they are acting and to come to an agreement on how are we going to correct this behavior before it becomes a bigger issue. I would also recommend that HR be involved again and maybe placing this employee on a probationary type status, you know, to where we could monitor them to see if their behavior improves, not in a threatening way, you know, Mm -hmm. because that would, you know, in certainly some cases make it even worse if you say, if you don't get better. So it's a way to talk to people in these type situations. I'm not saying coddle them or anything, but they just need to know that this is serious. And if the behavior doesn't change after all of that, and after you've sent them to counseling, HRs, talk with them, some type of sensitivity or diversity training, then the final answer would be disciplinary action. And that could come in the form of them being terminated or deciding they're going to retire or quit on their own. So manage them up or manage them out. Right. If I'm the recipient, another employee, and I'm the recipient of this high risk behavior, what can I do to protect myself? And what should I do if I have been a victim of workplace violence? Report it. Report it. Remain aware. Uh, I think a lot of people don't report being a victim of workplace violence because they don't want to be labeled. And a lot of them don't report it out of fear of retaliation. But if you report it and get the help you need, it's a good chance that it's going to stop. But if you don't report it, you may have to defend yourself and then you'll be out of a job. Because one of the things I, I, I've, I've always seen is when you go in, there's two different stories that you're going to hear when it comes to talking to the person that claimed that they were a victim of workplace violence and talking to the person that they said committed to workplace violence. Those stories are never going to match. So it's going to be up to that manager or whoever coming in from HR looking at that to say, did workplace violence actually occur and did Bubba over here do it? Because it's the same thing with the law. I have to have probable cause before I can arrest you for anything. So the probable cause is that it's more likely than not that a crime was committed and that Bubba did it. So it's the same thing when it comes to workplace violence. Is it more likely than not that it actually occurred? Well, based on a preponderance of the evidence that I see right here, I can make a determination whether workplace violence occurred and whether Bubba did it. So that's interesting because especially in the era of, say, the Me Too movement, Mm-hmm. where there are a lot of women who have been uh, sexually harassed and men, you know, it, it's primarily, you know, women, but, you know, men get sexually harassed as well. You know, what we have seen is a lot of women don't come forward because they don't feel like 
they're going to be believed. Right. And I would imagine that is that is true in a scenario such as, you know, workplace violence, where someone would be afraid to come forward because they don't feel that they're going to be believed because it's a he said, she said situation. Right. And so w- what happens with that? How do I prove that this actually happened because it's really that person's word against mine? Or if, or, if, or if I'm a female and someone has sexually assaulted me, it's my word against that person. Unless you have evidence to prove otherwise, it is your word against theirs. In, in the cases of workplace violence, if you are being verbally abused or assaulted, or threatened, or harassed, or intimidated. Most of the time, and and I remember talking with someone who said this happened to them, and it, it was something that somebody only did when nobody else was around. So when the guy reported it, he was more like a bother to the manager because it was like, well, he said, he said, but he couldn't prove anything. And one of the questions I asked him was, I said, did you ever try recording him with your phone or anything like that? And he said, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, uh, the next time this guy thought nobody was around and he was harassing this guy, the guy took out his phone and he hit it and he actually recorded the harassment, the intimidations and the verbal abuse that was coming across from this person. So when he reported at this time, the investigation started and the EO guy came over and started talking to everybody. Well, one of the things is by law, you can't lie to an investigator. Well, he lied. And one of the reasons is if you lie, then you could face disciplinary action, which could be, you know, you lose your job. And when he told them, he said, I never said anything to this guy. I don't know what he's talking about. That's why we call him Chicken Little. But they had to take to prove otherwise. It's a crime to lie to like, is this an OSHA investigator or what kind of investigator? OSHA investigator. I didn't know that either. Yes. If you if you doing um, for certain companies, if you uh, lie to someone during the course of any type of investigation, it could be for a medical claim. And if you lie just to get medical benefits, that's that's illegal. So if you you know, you lying to save your job, it's the same thing. That's illegal. Wow. Well, Chris, thank you for sharing your expertise and your knowledge on this topic. Workplace violence, it doesn't occur in a vacuum. It's a product of numerous factors. So you shed light on areas that many of us probably never even thought about. Um, and But you've also given us some areas where companies may have some gaps and they need to think about that. So thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm Dr. Carol Ison Barnes, and I can be found at experienceleadership.com. Listeners, I want to thank you for joining us this week. And Chris, thank you so much for being a person who really makes the sacrifice to keep us all safe. We need more people like you. Thank you.